Hi Darklings, the following episode contains opinions and speculation and should be taken as such. These stories depict violent crimes of all types and may be a trigger for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Darkened Doorway podcast, your doorway to everything dark, crimey and weird. Hi Darklings and welcome back to another episode of the Darkened Doorway. Today we have a very special guest with us. We've got Quinny from the Periodic Table of Awesome. Yes! Yay! Yay! <laughs> welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm, I'm excited to darken your doorway. Elle's really excited as well because you have touched mm. Thor's abs, <laughs> making you the most important person we've had on this podcast ever. Wow. Very, very much so. I'm I'm, I, I don't know. I mean, I t- touched his abs. I guess I probably brushed against them, um, but you know, it was it wasn't in a. That's enough for me. Okay, it wasn't it wasn't a particularly sort of sexual kind of thing. It was just like, you know, I was meeting him and I was like, hey, and you know, then I Wait, may have reached out and people? touched him. I'm not sure. Do you often touch their abs when you meet people? And that's my usual greeting. I I, I meet people <laughs> and right. say hello, swoop. And then, you know, <laughs> and then we move on from there. Yep. I find it's a really good icebreaker. Yeah, excellent. Mm. <laughs> I feel like it would be. Oh. And I volunteer as tribute in case you ever need help with that. Oh, okay. I thought you wanted me um, to touch your abs. And I'm like, that's weird. No, 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 no. I don't have abs. I have, I have a keg. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you ever get like Keanu Reeves on, I volunteer as tribute to help with the, the traditional greeting of our people of touching the abs. Yeah. Yeah. I can get behind that. You said too that you also helped uh, Stanley not stage dive. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. At the the rightly (laughs) age of 92, I think he was, when he was uh, uh, a guest at the show I was working at, he just decided he was going (laughs) to jump off the front of the stage. And it's like he completely forgot that he was 90. Um, he, it, like on purpose. Oh, wow. He he just assumed that he, he was going to be a genius moment. No, no, no. I think he just assumed he was going to jump down and go and talk to some people. It was like a, a only a little jump, but like I turned oh. around, like it was only like four or three feet high or something, but it was still enough that a ninety-something-year-old shouldn't be doing it, mm. and everybody who was yeah, working I just started running towards <laughs> it, going, "Oh no, Stanley's going to kill himself." Um, <laughs> Oh and, and all I can think is hip hugging underwear and falls mats, <laughs> and maybe we need all of that equipment. Absolutely, there there was definitely a, a thing of just going, oh, he is very small and breakable. What do I do with him? He created Spider Man. He is very small, <laughs> but yeah. Mm. yeah. So um, we've got a bit of a long one today. Oh, that's exciting! Because today mm. I'm finally catching up and talking about the brides in the bath that I mentioned in our Halloween episodes. No, she promised many times, uh-huh. and now we're here, so it's very exciting. I did. In mm-hmm. fairness, there were many side quests, there were many tangents, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know that ADHD life. <laughs> Neuro spicy mm-hmm. all the way, baby. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Just a little spice, yep. spice. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Fine. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Are you excited, Ellie? I am very, very excited. And the reason why we have David on is because, or Quinny on, is because we had such a great um, feedback from our licking things for science uh, when we had an archaeologist. 
If you haven't checked that one out, you really do need to figure out what the correlation is between archaeologists who lick things for science and Viking poo. I have listened yeah. to it. It was very entertaining. And uh, yeah. I was surprised at how much licking went into science. But then again, I've watched a lot of Doctor Who. Yeah. So much. And also, yeah. I feel like when you do chemistry stuff, you're not encouraged to lick as many things. So I think no. it really depends on the brand mm. of science you're in. Absolutely. Like petrochemicals, a little less licking, but you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're hoping for some of that sort of, you know, gold from you as well, if, if that's okay. You Absol know, like, yes. You know, I, do you lick things for, I don't know, entertainment? I was going to say fun and pleasure, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, okay. I'm never cutting that out. That is staying there forever. Occasionally profit? Yeah, that's I don't where know. we're at, people. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, on that note, I didn't know what to say. And then I was in this space and I'm like, oh my God, I'm here now. Okay. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm definitely yeah. leaving that in. Um, on that note, today we're going to be talking about a gentleman called George Joseph Smith. Oh. Who I'm sure licked many things in his time, especially considering mm -hmm. how many he had. I'm sorry, did that come out? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm guessing, just, just, just as a guess, at a guess, with a name like that, was he a Mormon? Um, no. Really? I don't think he was much of anything other than a liar. Oh. Oh, and a murderer. Right. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. He was not a nice man. <laughs> okay. So George was a Berthenal Green local, which is a place in London. He was born on the 11th of January, 1872, and was the son of George Thomas Smith, who was an insurance agent, and his mum, Louisa Gibson, who, just like every other female at the time, was in the kitchen making him a sandwich. Now, <laughs> sandwich, sandwich. His family was actually considered really respectable at the time. But George was a complete handful because, well, they just couldn't handle him to the point where when he was nine years old, they actually ditched him at a reform school. So oh, great upbringing, that's great a... supportive parents there. Mm. Harry Potter all the way. Yeah. Different. You know what she does to us when she tells us these stories, you start to feel sorry for them. Yeah. And then, you know, she sucks you in and she's like, oh, he's had a terrible oh. life and oh, it's so bad. Poor kid. Mm. Uh, but at least this time she said he was a murderer. Yeah, I think so you kind of, right. yeah, we, yeah. we led with that. Mm. Tell me more about George. Mm. But also, <laughs> he was a talented child. He loved poetry. He was a big Shakespearean. He played the piano and was really doing? gifted at drawing. Yeah, you're going to love him. However... Mm. <laughs> So by the time he was 19, it was 1891 and he was jailed for the first time. And the reason he was jailed, I think we can all relate to, he hired some tricycles, like those really big old timey ones with the giant wheel at the front. Yeah. And then he sold mm -hmm. them. So there was a hot tricycle trade happening. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. Uh-huh. Mm. Mm. Yep. Yep. Like they, they made a video game about that at the time. It was Grand Theft Tricycle. <laughs> <laughs> It was. It was fantastic. <laughs> so he didn't go to prison for too long for this one, but he was actually back again a year later for larceny. And then in 1896, he was sentenced to one year in prison 
after convincing a woman to steal from her employer. So I don't really understand this guy's appeal. I've seen photos of him. He is not a Hemsworth. Yeah. But he did have a fine moustache. You wouldn't want to touch his abs? No. Oh, look, there's a lot to be said for the power of mm. good facial mm. hair. That's mm. what I figured. It's mm. got to be the, the big sweeping. It covers a multitude of <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the lack of a top lip. Mm. So <laughs> he used this stolen money <laughs> to open his own baker's shop in, in Lorchester. And I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. It's, it's, a, it's a speech impediment where I'm just not good at saying places or things. Well, I mean, it's either Lorchester or Loster. And Loster sounds silly. It does. It does sound silly. He also <laughs> yeah. took this opportunity, though, to change his name to George Love. He loves love. Aww. Loves love. Yeah. Yeah. I trust him. I guess he kind of felt that that whole George Smith was a bit tainted by all the larceny charges. So there's that. Anyway. Right, fair enough. So yeah. under his brand new shiny alias of George Oliver Love, he was able to hire this shop girl called Caroline Beatrice Thornhill. And they went on and actually got married soon after. And the business was not great. And he ended up bankrupt. <laughs> yes. He's a real winner so far, isn't he? So that worked out really well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the happy couple, they decided to move to London to pursue some other ways of making a dollar. And in fact, George wasn't too interested in going on the straight and narrow. He decided it wasn't really his thing and he wasn't into baking. So instead, <laughs> Caroline, his wife, who he kind of knew as Beatty, which is one of those weird things where people have like someone whose name is James and they call them Oliver as a nickname and no yeah. one knows why. Be be like be Richard and Dick. We've talked about that before. That's just weird. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a traditional, but, but Beatty, you'd go Beatrix or something like that. Yes. But Caroline? No. Yeah. <laughs> There's no. no no similar track. No. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Beatty, clearly. Because of all maybe the... Maybe that's... He named it for what he did. Beatied her. Oh, <laughs> maybe. Well, anyway, he did make her go and get a job as a maid, so that's disappointing. Um, and then he would get her to steal again from her employees so that he could get the money off her. So she actually got caught doing this, though, because she was not as skilled as him, apparently. And she served 12 months in prison. He was pimping her out, but, you know, by stealing things. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, as a, like a little thief. And as soon as she got caught, mm. he was like gone in the Oliver wind. Twist. Mm. Yeah. And he, you know, yeah. he's a gentleman. So he didn't want to like besmirch her saying, hey, I put her up to this. So he just, he just pissed off at that point. He's out. Bye-bye. But, but he yeah. left her to take nice. the fall. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel sorry for her because she was actually quite young. She was only about 18. And like she's, so here's this guy who owns his own business he knows how to charm the ladies by waggling his fine moustache. He probably has boiled candies and he can offer her a comfortable life. And it turned out to all be a load of bupkis. He's not a good person so far. Like, Mr. Look, Love. No, not on my sounds like it's going to get worse. <laughs> now, once she was released, though. <laughs> you have she... a Tinder list? Yeah. No, was not. I don't even know. Is there a <laughs> list mean... on Tinder? <laughs> Christmas list, maybe. Um, I, I'm very I'm old I'm not and sure. married. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't do the Tinders. Is that the one where they make a list? Mm. It's been a long, long time since I did me swiping. Has been a long time. 
Yes. Hmm. It was arranged many no, moons ago. I don't know. I'm not sure. Now, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Once she was out, she basically told on George straight away. And then, like, so everyone knew that he was dodgy. But she went out and she actually spotted him a window shopping in a town she was visiting. Wow. <laughs> so she was like, yeah, bitch, no. Um, and he got to be a guest of the Majesty the King in one of their fine correctional facilities for two years after that. So I think she was a bit salty. Fair. Hang on, how long did she get? Yeah. Twelve one, months. One year, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she, she got, got two one for being year. an a-hole. Okay. I mean, still not fair, I but... I think that's you know. pretty fair. I would have given him longer, but, still, but you know. But then he would have gone all... out and done all this fun stuff afterwards. I was going to say, this is all benefit of hindsight stuff. Like, you've already told me he's a murderer, yeah, so exactly. I'm kind of like just, I'm, I'm prejudging him. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't let your, your bias get in here. Remember, he loved poetry. Yes, and his name's Love. <laughs> yes, and yeah. he could draw. Yes, mm, yes, and, and had a moustache. Yes. Mm. A fine moustache mm. and potentially boiled candies. Now, Beatty was not stupid though, right? So she ran. As soon as she dobbed him in, she ran to Canada because um, she heard that he was about to be released and her brother also heard. And I'm wondering if there was a little bit of my Italianness in there because her brother apparently met George once he got out and gave him a really good beating just to make sure he wasn't interested in following her. So, yeah. George kind of lost interest in Bertie at that point and he made other plans because you know what? His name was George Love and he had wedding bells on his mind again. So, <laughs> as you do. So first he promised a widow he would marry her so that he could get access to her money and once he managed to squeeze 90 pounds out of her, he just disappeared and decided not to marry her. And it's interesting to note that's actually an offence in itself at the time. Oh. Is it not anymore? Because that sounds like a good offence to be offensive. Um, well, <laughs> I don't think I mean. it is anymore because you can you can get engaged to someone and take all their money and then abandon them. Just watch that show, 90 Day Fiancé. No, I won't. No. <laughs> Fair. Fair. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. No, you can't make yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> can't. Yeah. Probably the wrong person to say it to, <laughs> considering he like hosts a show about awesome shows. And no yeah. day for sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> really scraping the barrel. Yeah, it doesn't sound like. Although sponsor mm. us, yeah. ninety day fiance. <laughs> yeah. I, I promise I'll never be on this podcast again if you sponsor. Them. <laughs> Does that work? I don't know. So anyway. I'm the one throwing shade at. Them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're all judging George's love for people though a little too harshly because he wasn't actually just interested in marrying just anyone that he could get because with that moustache, let's face it, people were throwing themselves at him. He wanted a woman who would really be able to offer him financial security. And isn't that what every man wants in a relationship? Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. That's what I look mm. for. Certainly not attraction. <laughs> Them or... sugar mamas. <laughs> Glucose guardians. <laughs> I like that. I do love that. So the year after he was released from prison, though, he did marry a widow. Her name was Florence Wilson. And in 1908, by the 3rd of July, he had stolen 30 pounds, which is worth around 3,000 pounds today, 
from her savings account and sold all of her belongings from their Camden townhouse in London. So he basically went in and just cleaned That's her under every way he could. I know. Chuck. Hmm. So he immediately went to Bristol <laughs> and immediately started courting another woman. You have a you have a confusion face. I, I'm just I I have a confusion mm. face because I'm not. Did she not notice that he was selling all of her stuff, or did I were they living not. in a different house? They must have been living yeah, in a different house. Because like... in fairness, you can clear an entire house in a day. I know because I have done that. <laughs> yes. All you need is a pissed off <laughs> Italian family, and they are in there. And your stuff is packed and sorted and out within three to four hours. There you go. With a little bit of uh, grass seed dusted on the carpet and the hose. You know, it's good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I I think he could have definitely done it with enough pickpocket. It's being hired, just saying. So anyway, (laughs) he was back on the path of the dating life. And he met this woman called Edith Pegler. Love that name. Pegler. Nice. So divorcey divorce wasn't like there was no record of not divorcing yeah well so he's every just, every like, county bouncing. has different records so no one matched oh. up and he's changed his name right. so no one's gonna know okay no one's okay. gonna know mm-hmm. no so how many divorces has he, has he had so far um, i think we're up to three aren't we I think no, two two wives. I know there were eight yeah, in total. Two wives and one right. promised. Okay. okay. Just yeah. I mean they'll be counting the promises. Yeah. Legally, no. <laughs> anyway, they got married on the 30th of July. And when are we getting to the bathtub? Jeez. Yeah, nobody's got into a bathroom. Did, did somebody um, steal his <laughs> but just give you that timeline there? He he promised to marry this widow on the 3rd of July. And then he was married to Edith mm-hmm. on the 30th of July. So he's a fast worker. Wow. And she had mm. actually responded to an advert that George had put out for a housekeeper to work for him. And he kept her at home, but would disappear for months at a time, claiming he was traveling to sell antiques. But he would return every now and again with some cash, saying he'd been able to sell something. So it seems like this relationship was the one that he actually, I'm not going to say valued because I feel like that's too much. But that was his, like, I don't know, home base one. Right. Right, okay. The, the so, safety like, net. As we know, perhaps. in reality, he was out. Yeah. In reality, he was out marrying and stealing from women for the months in between. Because, you know, I guess some of them were antiques. <laughs> I mean, they're widows. We don't necessarily know. That 18 was widows. probably antique back then, too. Yeah. yeah, you should see the age of one of the women he marries. Wow, she's a real antique. She was in her thirties. <gasps> oh. Terrible. The, the slanderous. Slanderous, I say. <laughs> Child. Anyway. Cougar. So in October of nineteen so in October of nineteen oh nine, he married Sarah Friedman and she got him under a different alias. This time he was going as George Rose Smith. And just like he did to that second wife, Florence, he drained her savings account and sold off all of her war bonds because the war was happening in it around now. And they were worth around 400 pounds before he just completely abandoned her because, you know, she wasn't that interesting, I guess, or he wasn't able to get more money out of her. Okay. It's just terrible. <laughs> Sweet yeah. man. Yeah. He's, mm. he's, a, he's a lover. So in 1910, George met Bessie Mundy. 
Now, he was still going as George Rose Smith at this point, and Bessie was quite the spinster. She was 33 years old, according to a local paper. That's how they put it. And uh, just to really, really be nice to the victim here, they also described her as living an aimless life, moving from boarding house to boarding house until she was spotted by George. Oh, what a good man. Wow. She's a lucky woman. He was really lucky. Just swooped in and and (laughs) swept her off her feet and and saved her from her life of doing whatever the hell she wanted. Yes. Aimless. And being a spinster. Yeah. Mm. Nothing dirtier than a spinster. Freedom. Yeah. So Mm. her dad, unsurprisingly, was actually really well off. And he had left her £2,500 in security before he died. That's huge money back then. So not only was she doing whatever the hell yeah. she wanted, but she also was independently Super. wealthy and having mm-hmm. a nice time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. cashed up. So naturally. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a terrible thing. That needs yeah, to be I mean, saved. okay, but let's have a look at what the newspaper described her as. Living an aimless life and that she was a spinster. How horrible is society back then? I mean, not that it's come far, but anyway. <laughs> I was going to say. We haven't progressed. It's fine. Um, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> Anyway, I better hurry up before my husband asks me to make a sandwich. <laughs> sure. Sorry. He's a lovely man. He would never do that. He's not that silly. So he's also makes way better sandwiches than me. He's just got, he's just better at cooking. It's really You're annoying. not that angry. <laughs> yeah. So George decided he would Side marry tangent. her this time under the name Harry Williams. <laughs> not just because of his deep love, but also because of her money. <laughs> I like that he's branching out away from his name, oh, though. Yeah. Like, it was George, and then George loved, and yeah. George loved Smith. And now he's just gone, okay, time to go for broke. Harry William. <laughs> but, just, yeah. Like, yeah. different part of the dictionary. Like, And he's he's smooth, hey. Like, he has literally convinced all of these women to marry him in a matter of days. And he wasn't, like, extremely good looking. Most men described him as arrogant and unlikable. He had a moustache. But women said that his power to attract them was oh, in his eyes. Right. Mm. Narcissist, mm. love Doesn't bombing. It? Yeah, mm. yeah. And that, and that really intense stare thing where you like, you're like, they, they just give you the 100% focus and they you are the only thing yeah. in the world. And then you're like, now I want you to do it. And that is disgustingly effective. I think Disney refers to it as the smolder. <laughs> going to say that's a terrible thing but no a very effective it is a terrible (laughs) thing like in my younger days i remember people telling me all about these things that you can do to like pull the chicks and there was i like one night i thought i tried them and i was horrified because they were kind of effective and i went i don't want to do this i feel like a liar and a weird creepy Please, please yeah. tell me you tried all of them. Sorry, we should probably not admit look at that. her face. She's like, oh, oh, did you try I all t- of them in yes. succession? Please tell me you tried. Tell all us of what them worked. Succession. No. <laughs> yes, I looked deeply into her eyes. I, I said about things that she really liked, and then I touched her arm. And then a lot. you bit your lip. Then you looked down. <laughs> and then, then, you and then I walked eye. away. And then I came back. And then I looked her deep in the eye. I fucking love that. <laughs> she did ask if I was having a stroke. <laughs> that's exactly how my husband got me true story (laughs) you had a stroke she's a carer Uh, Mm, yeah 
she's a carer. That's what sucked her oh. in. It's like, oh my god. Oh, that little mm. bit of drool running down That's one side of his mouth. Yeah. So <laughs> and he limped a bit. Cool. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Mm. Um. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think he was exactly you mm. said. I think he was a narcissist, and he was targeting these vulnerable and naive women. And that was who he was going for. It really helped that they had money and the more money, the more effort he was willing to put in. So unfortunately though, he was actually pretty upset about young Bess here because he found out that she had a pretty smart trustee and dad. He had actually left the money in the hands of the trustee and it cramped his style because he couldn't get a hold of her money. It was all managed. And he did manage to weasel 150 pounds out of her before he left her and claimed that she had given him a venereal disease. <laughs> what an <laughs> asshole! Wow. So yeah. this would be in records, right? This is this is in records. Yeah. So he's yeah, wow, yeah. That's, that's a lovely. I love yeah, him so much. Mm. So Bessie yeah. was really heartbroken because, oh, like, not only has her so husband much. just ditched out on her and taken a large amount of her money, he's accusing her basically of being a slag. She's now got a venereal disease. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. By the way, a full slag. Yeah. I'm out, and you're filthy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you know. So mean. Stop sleeping with people other than yeah. me. And it's like, chances are she was yeah. a virgin, like yeah. because. Dirty. Dirty woman. She's probably a virgin at those times. She's not going to be sleeping around with, you know, a well-to-do family and all of this kind of stuff. Just saying. So imagine her surprise, though, when around 18 months later, she was taking a stroll along the West Supermere, a fancy resort at the time. And who did she spot? She spotted that wayward husband of hers. What was he doing? Oh, George was already back in love with her. He went to her. <sighs> yeah. Well, with, with her money or her for sure oh. um he he told right. her that he'd contracted uh -huh. the venereal disease and he didn't want to risk her so he thought it was best for her sake if he left and he was ever so sorry and he claimed that he'd searched for her everywhere since and he wanted to reconcile with her bank account i mean her personality yes she fell she for it, was didn't so she? Delighted. She fell for it. She immediately forgave him. And she did. She took him Is that back what you're saying? And oh. she actually took him oh. straight back to where she was staying. And then when they got there, he immediately got a solicitor and they drew up their new wills in their married bliss, um, which was obviously his suggestion. And the new will said that if Bessie died, the £2,500 would immediately go to George, which is, I know, very surprising. Oh, and Bessie would get nothing. <sighs> nothing says love like drawing up wills together. Oh, doesn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, really fresh in the beginning of a relationship. Yeah, I find yeah. that such a weird turn off. Yeah, <laughs> you're so hot. It's commitment. It's isn't hard it? to beat off too, but if you really try. Um. <laughs> anyway, but Bessie would get nothing. <laughs> I'm gonna need a moment. <laughs> Because George had nothing to give her in the will except for his love. Love, love, love. Mm. And his venereal disease. And his yes. venereal disease. Mm. So I do wonder if mm. that was true, though, because they didn't have a treatment back then. There weren't any biotics. So that's an interesting one. But mm, lucky Bess never got to find out if she did mm. or didn't. Mm. So yay. Gonorrhea. Mm. 
Nasty. It's the syphilis mm. that'll get you. He could excuse himself by being mad from syphilis. That is Surely. true. That, that is, is a true. very good defense and probably would have been useful if he'd had the brains to think of it. Now, this young couple in their wedded bliss, mm. they moved to Kent and they set up a new business as an art dealer because suddenly he's an art dealer. He organized a new home for them with a bath and all, so it was really extravagant. He also took Bessie to see her doctor straight away, uh, his Dr. Mm. Frank French, which I find a very fun name to say, Dr. Frank French. Mm. I love Frank French. Oh, I love Frank French. He's the best. Now, George was really worried because Bessie had started to have these fits. And Bessie told the doctor she actually just had a really bad headache. So the doctor prescribed her some medication for that. Cocaine? Was it cocaine? Yeah. It was always cocaine. It's always cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either that or the occasional minor drilling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and what's a burr hole between friends? Yeah. yeah. About a quarter mm, of an inch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing that's all he had to give. She should have just claimed she had hysteria, you know. I think that was a much was more fun treatment. Absolutely. Better. So anyway, on the 12th of July, George called the doctor and he woke him up and told him to come straight away because Bessie was having a fit and Dr. French came and he dashed through the door and he checked on her and he said, she's fine. And he will come the next afternoon to check on her again, just to calm that husband of hers down. Cause clearly he's very worried. You all thought she was going to die. Didn't you? I really enjoyed that. Loves her. I just, I just like yeah, called the doctor, loved. came through. She's fine. <laughs> Good. Okay, go home. Yeah, she's I feel fine. like that's every nurse in the ED right now. Um. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. You're fine. Go home. So he, yeah. So Doctor French said he'll come back tomorrow afternoon to find out if she's okay. And it was a bit of a surprise for him the next morning when poor little Georgie called him to let him know that Bessie had unfortunately had one of her fits while she was in the bath and died before he got there. <sighs> so the doctor attended their new house and he found Bessie still naked, face up in the bathtub with her face under the water and her legs sticking straight out of the bath with her feet sticking straight up in the air. Mm. Right. There was no right. signs of violence. And George <laughs> had told the doctor that he'd just stepped out to buy some food for them to enjoy. And when he'd got back, she was already gone. It was all very unfortunate. You know, these things happen. Yeah. Very unfortunate. Mm. Mm. Yes. So sad. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Dr. French, he concurred that the cause of death was due to epilepsy and Bessie was quickly buried in a pauper's grave and George collected the 2,500 pound. Yeah. <sighs> but her legs were stiff and straight up. Yeah. Uh, well, they, was, they mm. didn't say stiff. They were stiffing, like they were sticking straight up because the bathtub wasn't that big. So bathtubs back in the day were made for small, tiny people. And she couldn't fit her whole body. So when her head was underwater, her legs were up in the air. I'm doing some great interpretive showing listeners. I'm doing some like great someone, interpretive okay. um, yeah, I, I, displays. There's, there's definitely some Pythagorean okay, right. kind of stuff going in here with right angles and mm, um, mm. Uh, the sum of the other two sides and so forth. Um, yeah, I like the maths. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Mm. Yeah. I'm intrigued though by the hypotenuse of it all that she's so for her to have died she has to have kind of slid down to the point where her legs went up yes in and her epileptic fit that's often what happens when you have 
uh, an epileptic fit, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is that you just, the baths you, you... were scrolls. So there was that smooth dip, but then there was that straight edge at the back. So if you think about it, there's a 90 degree angle at the base of the bathtub, but her head would have been that slippy slope. How her legs ended up straight in the air, though. Right. Interesting. <laughs> Someone pushed her down. No, no, yeah, wait, wait. So anyway. no postmodern, no Well, there was no signs of violence. There was, apart there from, was no right? sign of violence at all. Apart from she was dead. Being dead. Yeah. yeah. Another interesting thing about yeah. this is yeah. the house that they had rented yeah. didn't actually have a bathtub. He had gone out and hired it specially several weeks after they were married, and it was a grand total. Fired. <laughs> Of five days after they changed the wills before she died. Isn't he lucky that they got those wills done in time? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So lucky. So, so subtle. <laughs> so subtle. <laughs> Just. Hey. So smooth. Everyone's got to learn somewhere, guys. Good old oh, George. Righto. Yeah. Whatever his name. What's his name now? Harry? Uh, we're up Something? to well, no. Now we're up to Henry Williams, Williams. Williams yeah. but we're still going to talk to George because George is actually George, right? Now, okay. it took about a year later that George had well and truly moved on from this because you know <laughs> it's been a whole year, guys. Yeah. And in November thirteen, he married a lovely nurse, Alice Burnham. So Alice was not from a rich family. She had been living in the South Sea area. She was nursing an invalid patient when she met him. She'd attended the evening service of a nonconformist chapel, and it was there that she met George. I mean, admittedly, <laughs> he, he was at the right place because he's definitely a nonconformist. Yeah, and he yeah, definitely is true. a sinner. So after knowing each other mm -hmm. for a whole week, they mm -hmm. naturally decided to get married because, you know, early 1900s. <laughs> Once they were newly wed and... What is Alice's is George's, and what George's is George's. Alice was convinced to change her will to ensure that George was the sole beneficiary. So the shittiest part about this one to me is, A, she was a nurse. She's going to be a little biased on that one. But also, she was not wealthy or anything. She had just worked really hard and saved all her money. So it wasn't like it was easy for her to get that money in any way. She had to work her ass off for that. And once all the paperwork was sorted out, they decided it was time that they went and enjoyed their honeymoon. And we all know how that goes. So George, the old romantic. There was a bath, wasn't there? I was going to ask you, did he at least put some like flower petals or something? Oh, you don't know that he didn't. Come on now, don't judge him too harshly. <laughs> did he light a candle? He might have. I mean, maybe he did a actually, bottle of champagne. You know what, I can almost guarantee he did light Ooh. a candle because back then electricity was really expensive and not everywhere. So he probably did. Yeah. You're all being way too harsh true, on my true. poor little George. You're right. Okay. Good point. Well made. Now, George, that old romantic, arranged to take his new wife on a romantic getaway to Blackpool. Yeah. Look at him go. <laughs> He's a tiger, that one. They had rejected the first lodgings they went to, though, because they didn't have their own bathroom or a bathtub. And George, George really wanted a bathtub. <laughs> They went to five so, billion bees looking for one with a bath. <laughs> so they did manage to find accommodation oh with a lady called Miss Crosley. She did have a wonderful bathroom with a tub, and George was much happier because, you know, of that romantic part of him that really wanted oh, his wife to be clean. Yeah. 
Mm. So, yeah. So Mm. I was kind of wondering, though, how did he afford this honeymoon? Because he had already burnt through all of his money. And it turns out, though, he had actually hit up Alice's father and got £104 out of him and then immediately insured Alice for £500 because you've got to diversify when you're not marrying a rich lady. Well, his dad was an insurance agent too, wasn't he? Yes, Georgie's he dad. Good remember. Yeah. Wow. Now, Alice was having a lovely time. She wrote to her family saying she has been sick with headaches and how wonderful her new husband was and that he was the best husband in the world. What poison was it? What poison, yeah, was, what like... poison was it? I'm picking up a, a, a thing here. Mm. <laughs> You're going to get frustrated by the headaches. Watch me. <laughs> so oh. it's due to the headaches that they arranged to see her doctor and George was able to tell the doctor of his wife's frailty. And on Friday, the 12th of December, Mm -hmm. George left the apartment while his wife went to go and have a bath and he was off to buy some eggs. Uh Yeah. Yeah. He made sure he popped in to let the landlady know that he was going and that he would be back. And it was around 8 p.m. when the landlady noticed water was actually coming through the ceiling from the upstairs apartment. So she went upstairs to keep like checking on it because, you know, that's her house and found George holding his wife's head above the water. And he asked Miss Crosley to call for the doctor because his wife was dead in the tub. The doctor attended and surmised that she had had one of those fits in the bath and died. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They're really common. Such so common. Really common. Every day, people, mm-hmm. women, are out there mm-hmm. fitting and dying in baths. People don't talk about it. Yeah. Enough. It's really common. Like, yeah. No. Exactly. No. It's an epidemic. There is, there, we, we need a mm. blue slightly ripply ribbon for all of the Ooh. women out there who are <laughs> oh that's quite inventive i know right I'm, I'm all about the ribbon and do you know what's interesting it's actually happened recently but we'll oh, get geez, to that at really? the end mm, so you no, might not okay. be far right. off with that ripple ribbon <laughs> so <laughs> the doctor sent it over to the coroner's jury and found that she had heart disease and had an accidental fit in the bath and died. So George arranged a cheap coffin, buried her in a pauper's grave and moved on. Um, and as he actually left, yeah, I know, right? As he actually left, He's Mrs. So Crossley, the landlady, yeah, she screamed at him as he walked off, Crippen. Fell for him? No. No, she screamed at him in the middle of the street, Crippen. So this made me go on a complete different side quest because Crippen refers to a really famous murder case at the time. Oh. Okay. So in in any other time, this would be the point where I start Googling um, and going, what is Crippen? Yeah. Yeah. No. Bad. (laughs) So at this time, there was this man called Dr. Hawley Harvey Crippen who poisoned his wife. She was known by a stage name, Belle Lemore. And he mutilated and burned her remains in the coal cellar and fled London with his mistress secretary, Miss Ethel Lemie. Since then, I've actually had a look into it further because he was actually caught and executed for the crime. Oh, wow. But the thing is, in recent times, like I think it was like 2023, they actually found that the body that was discovered in the bottom of the basement was not a female. That was not his wife. What? So now they think she did run off to America. So does that mean he was innocent? Potentially, yeah. They think she ran off to America and 
he possibly didn't kill anyone and she had killed the guy in the in the basement and left it there so yeah wow mm. uh poor ha holly harvey crippen crippen is that his name yeah holly mm. harvey crippen crippen yeah poor crippen they didn't have tv so that's mm. fun to find names well, I guess with, mm. with this many people who go around doing terrible things and killing people, it makes a nice change for one of them to maybe, possibly, vaguely be innocent. Probably yeah. not, but, you know, yeah. I'm sure he did something else. Yeah. Well, he Probably did. He was on cheating his on taxes. his wife and all that. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> That's what happens when you don't have Netflix, guys. <laughs> we could be sponsored by I was going to say, you, you, you dig, digging for a Netflix sponsorship there? Or? That would be great. Any sponsorship would be amazing. Any sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> Hemorrhoid cream. Totally. I really don't care. <laughs> I sincerely hope your hemorrhoid cream doesn't go to doom. <laughs> so George decided now, like, it was time to go home to meet Pegler. Because remember, he's still got that wife, Edith Pegler. You remember her? Oh, she's still going. Yeah, she's still oh, there. Oh, yeah. The housekeeper. Yeah. yeah. So he yeah, right. back to her because he was like, oh, don't have anything lined up. How many years or months is this now? Because like he's been through like a number of like marriages essentially. And he ain't done. He's just a busy guy. And bear in mind, a lot of right. these marriages only lasted a matter of days. True. Right. So you can fit a few in. But he waited a whole year. Mm. So what, five years? It'd be five years, maybe? If yeah. That, well, since well, the first one? It's not a very long period of time. It's like 2000 and eight i think he started i should know that i don't hang on what did you just say 2008 <laughs> no not yes yes he is also a time traveler i stand by my I name like, <laughs> i got very confused for a second i'm like i had him with you know a big mustache and you know, being all like uh, <laughs> Victorian gentleman, and then suddenly he's using an iPhone, and yeah. I'm like, "What the hell?" <laughs> Fairness, though, many men have those fabulous moustaches and beards in this current time period. They've come back in fashion quite a bit. Most of them are baristas, mm. mm. true, or farmers. Mm. I think both our husbands have giant bushy beards at the moment. Oh yeah, mine. My husband's down to like, you know, clavicle. It needs it needs a bit of a comb. I just want to get mm. it to that point where I can braid it like a Viking. Oh, I can do that. I can do that to the husband. Yours, yours is much shorter oh. now, though. So, you know, was yours quite a long? Oh, yeah. See, you used to have uh, it that long. Yes, yes. I, He's I do, grabbing I his beard. Yeah, now you're talking about it. I'm yeah, about it, it under... but, yeah. I, it, oh. it has... yeah, yeah, yeah. During pandemic times, yeah, it was it was solidly three or four inches longer, and um, I had like a beard straightener. Um, I, I, you know, would yeah. take great care with it. And beard oil. I love yeah, that. Yeah, beard oil, beard oil, all of that stuff. I got really into that. And then recently, um, I let it grow quite a bit longer as well. This is not beard report. This is women in, in bath. This is a tangent. We've got a tangent. Okay. It's relevant yeah. because the beards lured the ladies. It's relevant. Okay. Well, I... Well, this this bad boy mm. on my face right here hasn't been luring anyone but my lovely partner for a while. So, um, but it lures her. Yeah, yeah. But she stayed. Yeah. It did. She did mm, stay. Lured. And uh, it did work. She yes. This <laughs> this is my fish and lure. <laughs> 
That was me using my face as a fishing lure for all of you people listening. And aren't you glad that you got to hear that? <laughs> and it was magnificent. He really got the flick racer it thing going. It was magnificent. <laughs> really, really cast it yeah. out there. Spectacular. We bring out the best in people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Talking about the best in people. George also mm. brought out the best in peace. Mm, people. Georgie baby. Mm-hmm. In January 1914, he managed to finally get the life insurance policy from Alice's death paid out to him. So it took him a while to get that one out. Mm. He invested that money and generated some passive income for himself because he's financially sensible. And in September, because he was feeling broke, Mm -hmm. he got involved with this poor servant girl and assumed the name Charles Oliver James. So he married this girl in London. He likes the Oliver bit. Mm. He's used that a couple of times. I think it helps him remember. Yeah. So he married this girl in London on the 17th of September. She was lucky wife number seven. And he swindled her out of 92 pounds, which was a shit ton of money for a servant girl. He also took all of her possessions before abandoning Mm. her. He's just a classy, classy person. Oh, he gets classier. He even gave her clothing and her Mm. trousseau, which is like her dowry, a box full of her stuff that she'd collected for her married life to... Miss Pegler. Remember Miss Pegler? Yeah, the one he goes and visits occasionally. He actually gave it all to her and he told her that he'd been doing oh. business in the secondhand clothing while he was away and they were gifts for her. Oh, that's lovely. Is he measuring things or is he like, here, have clothes that don't fit you, but I thought of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he is. Like, maybe he's doing the whole, yeah, she's about the right height. Yeah. You know. <laughs> busty but yeah, yeah. yeah. also yeah. like if you look at the clothing yeah. from the period a lot of it was Matt, tied Matt up Keith. with string buttons were really expensive so they would have been quite billowy mm-hmm. so it would have been like a spectrum of sizes Sorry, one no, size fits like... most as they say okay exactly yeah <laughs> so a few months later in december of 2014 george under the brand new name of john lloyd met margaret lofty yeah so he was working as an estate agent at this time and due to his savings, he was actually able to set up a little side business. And by savings, I mean his dead and abandoned wives' savings, but anyway, semantics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Margaret also was a spinster, the oldest one yet. The, oh, the shock. <gasps> she was 37 years old. Oh, my God. She may as well have been what? dead anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Even a loss. She didn't need her money. Yeah. She's, she's barely even human at that stage. She's not even exactly. like a, a yeah. person. She's just a collection of, of like dying cells shuffling yeah. off towards yeah. their Saggy end. skin. Yeah. She yeah. looks like something out of the mm-hmm. crypt. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be returning there forthwith. Wonderful. Mm. Now, Vira Bar. Yeah, yeah exactly. she'll be clean, right? That's what we always do. She was just saving them a step. <laughs> Um, now, and moist. Moist. That's a great word. Now, Margaret <laughs> was the daughter of a clergyman <laughs> and she lived with her mother and sister. So John, a.k.a. George um, and Margaret, they went out together and Margaret's family heard that after they left together, they made several visits. And by when I say they left together after they got married and left the area, they found out later that she made several visits to a local solicitor to arrange life insurance for her over a number of days. Uh-huh. 
Right. Now, one of the mm. days on the 17th of December, she left and she just didn't return. But she was still alive. Okay. Right. Margaret and George had run off and gotten married without the family's approval. So Margaret would be his eighth and last uh-huh. wife. They got married in Bath, which is kind of ironic. <laughs> amazing <laughs> oh my goodness he is he's he he just doesn't care he's like come and catch me if you yeah, can like yeah he's just like this is hilarious <laughs> yeah did he laugh yeah. i would have been giggling the whole way through like <laughs> I bet you, as he's, yeah yeah as he's driving through past the town sign he's just like He's 12 years. Yeah, our little pinkies are at the side of our mouths right now. Yeah. Honey, <laughs> what do you think about for our honeymoon? Do you think we should go to more bath? <laughs> you know what you should do on our first night? You should have a bath in bath. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> that would be so funny. Oh, oh. I nearly killed you. I mean, I nearly shat. <laughs> Anyway, but Margaret, she only had 19 pounds on her and you know that that's not going to work for George, oh, well, right? No. Not enough. Surprised you didn't no. make a walk. Slacker. That's it. So, of course, she gave her 19 pounds to George, John George, and that night they went and stayed mm. in accommodation in Highgate. Highgate was a bit fancy. Guess what the nicest part of their accommodation was in Bath? It was the bed, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the bath, wasn't it? It was the bath. You know what? I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to give it to Ellie. <laughs> it was that lovely bathroom, oh, a full-size bathtub. I know, you're shocked. I really, I was sure it was going to be the bed. I thought yeah, it may exactly. have been like the mini bar. No, oh. no. Damn it. What's the bath? That's it. But there was a bit of a problem because that She had a turn, didn't she? They had to sort out a doctor because Margaret had a really bad headache. Oh, no. Hmm. Yeah, is... maybe she was just trying to avoid the sex. I don't know. I feel, I actually yeah. feel for our boy John George Henry Ringo. Um, I Like, because he <laughs> no cannot catch a break. He cannot no. catch a break. No. So he's marrying these lovely women and then, in, yeah. you know, first night out, they've all got a headache. Like yeah, they they like <laughs> he is having a really rough trot, and I feel for that guy. Nobody's yeah. making him sandwiches. I know my yeah. heart goes out to him. I know you'd mm. think he'd give them a Bex or something first, like yes. offer the Bex and go, "What's that for? Oh, it's for your headache. Oh, I don't have a headache." Yes. Well, blah, 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 blah. okay. Well, let's have the Bex. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's exactly. it's that's, that's how I man. It's frail women. Yeah. Now, the yeah. next morning was yeah. Friday the eighteenth, and the couple went to their solicitor, and Margaret made John George the sole beneficiary of her new will, because that's what you do on your honeymoon. Oh. Mm. Huh. Right. Nothing. So she survived. Okay. She didn't have a bath yet. I'm shocked. No, because she had the headache, so she couldn't have a bath because <laughs> she had a headache. And she had to tell her doctor she had a right. headache yeah. before the bath. So. Right. Uh, right. Okay. Oh, sorry. You've got to set it up, don't you? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she wrote to her family a letter telling them that she had married and she had married, and I quote, a truly Christian man. And then she went and had a bath. 
I, I just love to think oh, that that's no. how she signs off the letter. Dearest mother, <laughs> I have met a truly fine, upstanding Christian man. I don't know why she sounds like the Queen, but there you go. Um, <laughs> she's, she's 37. She's I love him for his beautiful moustache, his wonderful character, <laughs> and his propensity for telling me I should have a bath. Speaking of which, Mum, I'm off to go and have a bath now. <laughs> Love you. Kiss, kiss. Bye, bye. Yes, yes. <laughs> bye, bye, mum. So, so while she was having a bath, the landlady whose place they were staying at, she reportedly heard splashing and then a sigh. She then heard John George playing "Nearer My God to Thee" on a harmon, which is like an organ, apparently. Because that's not terrifying, right? So the landlady whose place they were staying at reportedly heard splashing and then a sigh. Splish, 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 splish. Okay. Or was it more like splish, 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 splish. Oh. Because that's a very different sigh. We're not sure who was sighing. That's the question. Well, we don't know. No, we're not sure. No. We were just saying before when we had a bit of a short break that, um, you know, what was missing from this story was a musical number. Mm. So, you know, mm, mm, mm. well, here it is. Yeah. Here it is. That's a different song, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't think okay. anyone actually knows the lyrics to My God to Be, at least not in this century. No. So, George John, who I'm now calling him George John then made a show to the landlady that he was going out to get tomatoes for his wife's dinner. And when he returned, he rang the doorbell to be let in. because Not eggs. Yeah, which is super weird because he had a key. So I'm guessing he needed the alibi. Yeah. Yep. But, and really specific choice of vegetable there. It was all fruit, depending on Very. who you talked to. And was he just planning <laughs> on just tomatoes? Like, is that it? They're just going to sit there eating tomato like oh, an apple? It's not a berry, is it? It's not a berry. Is it a berry? It's a fruit. It's, a fruit. it's, got, it's got seeds on the inside. It's a fruit. It's a fruit, but is it, but you said berry. Is it a berry or a fruit? I know it's not a vegetable. It's a fruit. And also, it's not a strawberry. Only no. weirdos eat them like apples. <laughs> Blueberry. Don't that is know. true. Ellie, you eat them They're like very apples, tasty. don't you? You weirdo. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and you have to be like you have to use your teeth to like segment it. Otherwise, the the seeds come in your face so you've got I'm to sorry kind of, what happened the seed oh, comes in your face cut that out <laughs> <laughs> i did hear that no. and i was like well, are they what um yeah <laughs> we're all like <laughs> and do you find this problem often happens where the seeds come in your face <laughs> we're all friends here you can tell us just you, me, it's good. and like good for a couple hundred other people. It's fine. Oh. Mm, mm. So, yeah, mm. I am one of those weirdos that eat the tomato uh, like an apple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in segments. Tomato. But you have to be very careful because you eat it in segments. Otherwise, the seeds will spray out and that can be disastrous. It is so, so disastrous you know, when it's those a skill. seeds spray it's out. It's a skill. Yeah. Getting them all in your mouth is a real, a real skill. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a different kind of nerd, and so all I can think of is a sequence out of Lord of the Rings, um, mm. where, where where Denethor is eating baby tomatoes and it's going all over the place and it's really gross. <laughs> See, I know that, that you guys are talking. You're being dirty. I know you're being dirty. 
Oh, and really? I understand that. I am not. I am, I would not. Not. I am a lady. I, I resent your accusations. No. I'm a lady. I'm a lady. Oh, well, uh, well, my apologies, ladies, but I'm over here nerding out like a big old Lord of the Rings nerd. <laughs> yeah, no, there was a bit of dirtiness in there. So anyway, so back to John George. He went upstairs and then his lane, his landlady said she heard him calling his wife and then for her pretty much straight away. And he was like asking for her assistance. So she went upstairs and she found him lifting his now dead wife out of the water. The doctor was obviously sent for and the doctor said she had died from a combination of having the flu and a hot bath, which caused her to faint and drown in the tub. Now that marriage lasted one whole oh. day. Wow. Mm. Honestly? Before the ink even dried mm. on that insurance policy. Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, and an inquest was yeah. held the following Monday because that's how quickly this stuff happens. And then it was adjourned. And George then reverted to George as his name and returned to Miss Pegler again, spending Christmas with her and her family in Bristol. Because you don't want to be alone on the holidays. Oh, that's nice. He returned from yeah. Bath. <laughs> yep. I'm sure he was yeah. popular with the rest of the mm. Peglers. Yeah, mummy mm. pegler. Mm. Is the only reason why you know Missy Moo survived is because they didn't have a bath? Um, look, maybe. I mean, baths are really dangerous, and if you watch any <laughs> horror movie, you will see that those Crantley's yeah. claw foot baths are the most deadly. Because in horror movies, there is no like normal nineteen mm. like eighties bathtub used, is there? No, no, it's always no. the claw foot murder baths yeah there's something about them that yeah they feel like they could if they wanted to animate and run away with you in it exactly yes <laughs> they're terrifying and i will not allow them in the house or maybe the bath is like the mouth yeah it kind of... yeah I, you know what i think it is i think it's like a classic tradition in the murder world that we're just not aware of they're like but did you use a clawfoot bath yeah <laughs> like, oh my god that's so cheap i can't believe you used an 80s bathtub yeah george probably met up with people later and they were just like you know so uh, did you go for a traditional claw foot or were you going for one of the more, you know, uh, the more modern or inbuilt ones because they're real bastards. You can't get around either side of them. You know, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> While twiddling his moustache. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Boiling candies. <laughs> so let's just recap here, though. Right. So in regards to the three okay. deaths of his wives, because the timing is kind of interesting. So each one of these deaths occurred on a weekend and the inquest was pushed through super quickly and the finding was always through misadventure. And this was super important for two reasons. First, it meant that the insurance money could be paid out. And secondly, it reduced the amount of time that these girls' families had to actually look into this and maybe get a clue that something wasn't quite right because he always made sure that he pushed it through within a space of days. So it did become right. pretty interesting, though, when you find out that right. some of the girls' families apparently weren't quite buying the whole accident thing. Okay. Right. But too late that he's got his money, so. Mm. Is it too late, though? Um, mm. Let's see. Mm. Oh, here we go. Okay. Yep. Now, when Margaret passed away, the newspaper mm. posted an article about her death in the News of the World paper. And... It was kind of big news at the time because, you know, brides dying in baths, that sells papers. So Alice mm. Burnham's brother actually saw it and that was just super bad luck for George. Poor little Georgie. Poor Georgie. Now, these, these types of papers were normally only read locally, 
but this was becoming like a big scandal in the area. It was a little tourist town. It was shortly after their wedding. It was, you know, it was high interest and it actually made it all the way into the national papers. Yeah. Well, they didn't know. They didn't have the connection yet. So, oh, the bath, the bath. Don't mind me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The baths confuse me. Too many baths. (laughs) So many baths. My fingers are all wrinkly. So it made it into the national papers and it was read all over the country. And its reach was actually so far that Charles Burnham, Alice's dad, and William Hines over in Blackpool, who happened to live on the same street as Miss Crosley's boarding house, which is, as you remember, where one of the murders happened. I mean, accidental drownings happened. Crippen. Yeah. They both read it. And although the husband's names were different, the stories had a lot of similarity to them. So each was a newlywed, each had met their untimely end in a clawfoot bath, because, you know, that's the horror bath, and both had been discovered by their Mm -hmm. grieving husband. These similarities were so striking that they actually started to write a few letters and they eventually got to Scotland Yard. And those popo, they were super interested. Mm -hmm. In fact, they got so (laughs) interested that they went and got a whole bunch of witness statements, like 130 of them from all different people and in 40 different towns. Wow. And they resulted in 264 exhibits being made available when this finally hit the courts. Wow. Mm. Wow. Georgie, you're in trouble. Yeah. Look at it. Look, the police actually doing stuff. Mm. Like, He's like a mark. Doing proper police um, work and asking questions and yeah you know well, it was binge. Binge. yeah there's no as i said no netflix no binge what else were they meant to do stan they should watch stan they, they weren't getting any complaints about facebook harassment like they had time to do these things they had so much time for activities exactly. so much time. For activities. Mm. and there, there was no real like science for you know coroner's inquests or anything it was just like oh yeah that looks bad yeah yeah oh, oh, oh okay okay <gasps> Is it the poison? Are they going to find the poison? Are they going to find the poison? <laughs> I'm not telling you yet, but we're going to talk about uh, Joe. Ellie Hossley. is very excited about the poison. <laughs> she I does like the love poison. a bit of poison. I mean, who doesn't? I love it. And if you do love poison, guys, yeah. don't forget to listen to our last episode about thallium. Not as much fun as Valium because, yeah, I'm telling everyone about that. No, it's, it's awesome. not. Now, now I want to know about thallium. <laughs> It all started because Joseph Crosley, who's Mrs. Crosley's landlady's husband, um, he wrote a letter on behalf of her and of on behalf of Mr. Charles Burnham. This letter was sent to Detective Inspector Arthur Neal. After reading it, he also had a few concerns about these striking similarities between the deaths of Margaret Lloyd and Alice Burnham. And this letter urged the detective to investigate these strange similarities and and basically get off the chair and go find it because this is not okay. The detective visited 14 Bismarck Road, which is the address, uh, which is the address. I just turned into a New Zealander. Oh, no. Oh, no, bro. Oh, no. Could we have some fashion just with this murder? Anyway. Bismarck Road. where Margaret Lloyd had died and he observed that the bathtub she had drowned in was really small. So he couldn't see how an adult could Mm. drown in it, particularly as only about three-fourths full at a time. And the detective actually went a step further and he interviewed the coroner, Dr. Bates. (laughs) 
Dr. Bates. He <laughs> masturbates. And he asked him if he'd seen any signs that the death had been unnatural or violent. And Dr. Bates, of course, said no. <laughs> but there were tiny bruises above her left elbow. The detective then found out that her will had been drafted not three hours prior to her death, naming her new husband the sole beneficiary and that Margaret had withdrawn all of her savings earlier that day. Hmm. When the detective made inquiries with the Yorkshire Insurance Company, he discovered three days before her death was the period of time between her marriage and her life insurance policy being taken out for like a huge sum. So it was about £700 at the time, which is like $73,000 in today money. So quite a bit. (laughs) The detective asked the doctor to hold off on the insurance policy letter from the doctor because it seems he was starting to kind of get this idea in his head. And I think we're all kind of getting that idea in our head at the moment. Now, the detective then contacted Blackpool Police and he got them to check out the same kind of details in regards to Alice. And, of course, he found the same pattern, including the presence of the bathtub that had to be inspected by her husband. So by now, the detective is cooking with gas and he had a plan. He asked the doctor to approve the insurance money and make sure it was released and then he set up a stakeout out of the insurance office and they waited and watched this office day and night they knew it was just a matter of time till george would come and collect the money so the problem was that they couldn't find george like they 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 now had it to the point where they were like oh okay we know, we're pretty sure this guy is bad news mm-hmm. but now they can't find him so this is why they're staking it out yeah so they had no idea if this was the same guy they just had to wait and see who collected it there was oh, no social media or right. selfies or anything to go off so yeah the stakeout was really the only way to ah, prove this one. right ah uh, yeah right on the 1st of february in 1915 george had a really bad day Oh. <laughs> One of several that were to come. He got a tap on the shoulder by Detective Inspector Neal just as he was leaving the solicitor's office, having just sorted out the collection of his late wife's insurance money. And some other sources, though, have said that they, he'd already got the money and he'd spent it already and was once again penniless. But I don't know. Who knows? Oh, Detective Neal asked if he was speaking with Mr. John Lloyd, which George confirmed he was. He then went further and said, Are you also John? Are you also George Smith? Which George at first was like, no. I wouldn't be caught dead being called George or Harry or Michael or Bob. This George, like whatever. Yeah. Did he like even change his facial hair at all? Like shorten the mo or? No, you can't ruin his amazing moustache. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the honey trap right there. You don't mess with your moneymaker. Like literally his moneymaker. He was committed to the mo. Right. Okay. But Detective Neal told George he was under arrest for a fraudulent entry into a marriage contract, and in less fancy terms, it was bigamy. Yeah. And George rolled over and basically just admitted straight out that he was both George Smith and Mr. Lloyd. He's a big man. He's strong. Powerful. Yeah. Big man. And remember, guys, he's a lover, not a fighter. Are you George? No. What? Are you sure? Yes, actually, I am. I am. Sorry. You've caught me. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I don't want to start anything. My bad. Um, yeah, I am actually George. Uh, yeah, I'm also Bob and Michael and Steve. Oh, yeah, yeah. Soz. Um, yeah. Sorry. Please don't yeah. hit me. 
This charge was a pretty small one considering all that George was suspected of having done and shortly later he would actually get charged with murder. Now I think the whole idea that he was penniless might be the right version of this event because he was encouraged to write his life story for a newspaper to raise funds for his defence and his solicitor looked into where this was legal and appropriate and they said that it was and it wasn't improper and I'm like, hmm, okay. <laughs> and then the solicitor gave the instruction to QC Edward Marshall Hall under the Poor Prisoners Defence Act of 1903 on the understanding that he would actually get a lot of money coming back in once the newspaper sold his story. So Edward was like, yeah, I'll do it as long as you pay me. Well, there are rules, there are laws against that Yeah, now. exactly. Like, and I think that that's one, one of the things that I find fascinating is that, you know, back in these days, yeah. there were no rules. Yeah, you could be a murderer and tell your story and make money from it. And now there are actually rules and laws that say, if you did something wrong, you're not allowed to sell the story. Um, so, you know, that means that people can't profit from your family can. Yeah. But not you. <laughs> so George was sitting in prison at this mm. time. And before he could make any deals with the newspaper, he had to get permission of the higher ups. And in this case, the Home Secretary to sign. And the Home Secretary, who is Sir John Simon, he actually refused to allow him to sign because he's just like the rest of us. And he kind of thought this idea of this man profiting from his acts was not only repugnant, but in his words, the arrangement was contrary to the public interest and to public morals. Now the right. solicitor, Edward Marshall Hall, was dirty about this. Yeah. Says. <laughs> Bad luck. Mm. You backed the wrong horse on that one, Chief. Don't defend naughty people. Mm. Yes. Mm. But because he had already done heaps of work on the case, he had no choice really but to continue on and accept the really reduced pay that was provided <laughs> by the government under the Poor Prisoners yeah, Defence no. Act, yeah, no, which bro. was super tiny money compared to <laughs> what he was already promised. But I was going to make money. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I defend these god-awful people is because I can make money off them. And now I can't even do that. Why would I continue being this QZ? This is a terrible job. I don't like it. Just get it over and done with. Just throw him in Hurry prison up. and let me go home Good to things mom. to do. <laughs> Poor George. He isn't going to be defended very well. No, not now. Apparently there is a letter which captures how salty he was about this, and it's actually still in existence. And he wrote it to the Home Secretary because they were oh kind God. of friends. Okay. All right. Now, George was safe and sound with the popo <laughs> and the real work for the police started. They had to prove that George was actually responsible for his wife's deaths. Enter science. <gasps> Yay! I love it when that guy shows up. Yeah. He's my favourite. Yeah. Specifically, it was a pathologist named Bernard Spilsbury. Yeah, Spils. He was asked to figure out how these women possibly died. So Bernie <sighs> got to work. First, he dug Margaret up. Yeah. Right. Loved oh, yep. Good place to start. Yes. Yeah. He confirmed there was a small <laughs> bruise on Margaret's elbow, as the previous doctor had, but he also saw two other microscopic marks. He found no sign of heart or circulatory disease, and there wasn't actually much evidence of drowning either. In fact, it seemed that the woman's death was instantaneous, almost like a stroke, except there was no other signs of a stroke. Potassium. He tested what? for poison. No. Sorry. 
Just guessing. You so want this to be about poison. I know. Like you, I'm terrified <laughs> that you know enough about poisons that you can take a shot in the dark as to which one it might be based on what it does. <laughs> IV potassium. Come on. Potassium chloride. Be wonderful. Uh, no? no, you guys will have to check out our episode that Ellie is doing next for all the fun types of po- poisons and scary stuff she's going to be talking about. Yeah. We're going to talk about bioterrorism. Yep, some failed attempts, some actual attempts, you know, stuff. Probably stuff I shouldn't talk about because, you know. Sweet. But, yeah, it's fine. Do it. Yeah, I will. Yeah, recently we did one on Thallium, which is not as fun as Valium. I've seen those movies that start that way. Mm. And finally he said, hey, Detective Neil, I'm feeling artsy. Why don't we make up the crime scene and do some super fun experiments? (laughs) Needless to say, the detective was down for it. The experiments he wanted to perform were to be done in the same tub that Margaret had died in. So they set it all up at the police station. And uh, I'm sorry, but side note, how fun was policing that's back fantastic. then? That's fantastic. Like, want to set up a bathtub in the police station and do fun science stuff? Like, you just don't see that these days. What I do want to know is, was it one of them in the bath? Or did they hire a young it's lady? Oh, they might have hired a young lady. They did. They did hire many young ladies. Mm, you can hire those. Anywho, while all these shenanigans were happening, word had started to spread about the brides in the bar. And on the 8th of February, the Chief Inspector of Hearn Bay Police Station in Kent sent Detective Neil a report from his area about another similar death that had happened. And you might remember this one. This one happened to that lovely lady, Bessie Mundy. Now, of course, the same patterns emerged in Bessie's case. So the detective sent a photo of the elusive husband, a.k.a. George, to Kent Police to see if they could confirm it was the same husband. Ah. In the meantime, Bernie was in Blackpool and had got out that trusty shovel again and was now doing an autopsy on Alice. Love's a good exhumation. Love's doing a good exhume. But unfortunately, guys... Oh, no! (laughs) I know. Until next time, Darklings. Fine. Bye, bye, bye.